This is a production from the Yak Podcasting Network. The home for your growing sonic map of local voices united in their commitment to the best in podcasting. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to From the Felt, brought to you by the Texas Cardhouse. My name is Ryan Crow, and I'm your host, along with Bill Hewer and Sam Von Kennel. Guys, how y'all doing today? Doing great. How are you doing today, Ryan? Pretty good, pretty good. Sam, how about you? Man, I cannot complain one bit. I'm finally back home. I've been from Vegas to Oklahoma to Houston to now finally sitting on my couch back in Austin. Loving it. Sounds like you've been busy. So, hey, before we get started, a couple things I want to mention. Uh, we have a lot of exciting events coming up at the Texas Card House for the next couple of weeks. So I just want to give a quick rundown of those uh, for anyone who may be interested in coming in and playing. Uh, this coming weekend, that is uh, August 24th, we have the Houston Poker Live uh, bracelet event. So it's a $15,000 guarantee. <clears throat> it's a $200 reentry tournament. Um, there is a, I think it's a $45 one-time fee at the door, but after that, you don't have to pay it again. Uh, all $200 goes into the prize pool. <clears throat> we also have the Social Card Clubs of Texas tournament coming up on September 21st and 27th. Uh, that'll be a $200,000 guarantee tournament. So really excited about that. Uh, that'll take place in a number of cities um, with the final day being in Houston. Uh, we also have Brad Owen and Andrew Nimi coming into Houston on October 2nd and 3rd. So that'll be a lot of fun as well. Uh, guys, you, you plan on attending any of these events? I'm 100% going to be playing that uh, $15,000 guarantee this Saturday at the Texas Card House. It's only a $200 buy-in. Uh, it's going to be a bracelet event, which uh, is the first bracelet event going to be held at the Texas Card House here in Houston. So based on my, uh, my last two weeks of playing at the Texas Card House, out of 10 tournaments I've played in, I've cashed in eight of them. And this one is going to add to going to be at least my number ninth, if not my number 10th, because I do plan on playing all week this week at, uh, at Texas Card House Houston. Well, clearly something's going on wrong down there in Houston because I went down there for the moneymaker tournaments and didn't cash in a single one. So there's got to be something wrong that Bill's cashing and I'm not. But yeah. the, <laughs> games, the games are truly that easy, Sam, that if I'm cashing, they're that easy. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, what y'all think about Chris Moneymaker having him in town last week? That was a lot of fun, wasn't it? Oh, that was a blast. I, I got to play with him a couple of times, once in a cash game, and I got to play actually all the way in the uh, the PLO tournament that we had. It was my second PLO tournament I've ever played in, and I finished sixth place. And, and uh, unfortunately, that's one of the 10 tournaments I played in that I did not cash. Yeah, in that tournament, I was unlucky enough to be knocked out by Chris Moneymaker, and a couple of the people were like, hey, at least you got knocked out by the champ. And I was just like, well, still sucks getting knocked out, but I, I guess if you want to find the, you know, the fun part of that story, then sure, I got knocked out by the champ. That's awesome. Uh, speaking of Chris Moneymaker, you know, we – did we had planned on having him come to Austin next month? But he's actually having to move that date back, so we'll uh, we'll get back with him and his team to figure out when we're going to be able to get him out into Austin. Uh, but unfortunately, he's not going to be able to make it in September. But you know, with the Scott tournament going on and with Brad Owen and Andrew Nimi coming to town, uh, I think I think we've got a pretty good lineup of events coming up over the next couple of weeks. And of course, the Houston Poker Live tournament this weekend. Um, well, guys, today I really want to kind of you know kind of put a bow on this whole raids in Houston story, the whole May Day thing. It sounds like things are kind of coming to a close on that uh, with the recent news that the civil charges have also been dropped. Uh, Bill, I mean, I, I imagine you got to be feeling pretty good about this, right? I mean, like at this stage, you know, you know what, what's going on? Where are you at? I mean, are there still things happening in Houston legally? Um, just g- give us the rundown of kind of uh, now that it's, I mean, I, I think it's all kind of said and done at this stage. I mean, I, I could be wrong there, but 
Can you kind of give us the rundown of where things are now? Is it completely done? Are you scot-free? Um, what's the latest? Yeah, so last week the civil charges were dropped. And though it wasn't exciting as the criminal charges, because the criminal charges were much worse than the civil charges, we kind of expected the civil charges to get dropped and, and happy to see that they did. So from here where we're at is the FBI has taken over the investigation. Um, uh, the words public corruption task force has been thrown around and they're looking really they're looking at the DA's office and what happened there and, and why uh, you know what we've been saying the whole time that you know we were told that there was going to be this permit we were told that someone in the DA's office was working on this and that's really what they're taking a hard close look at now so you know with that being said um, I'm, I'm kind of uh, back to getting into uh, legal poker here in Texas. I, I had to take a break while those charges were pending. But now that those cases are both dropped, you know, the, the script is kind of flipped. Uh, not only does it mean that, that uh, you know, getting back into it, but this is an opportunity that the state's going to have to deal with this eventually, because I think uh, both Prime and Post Oak are going to put together a civil suit against uh, the powers that be and try to get a ruling on this once and for all. And that could take a, a couple of years, but that, you know, ultimately is what we all want. We want some sort of clarification, some sort of ruling, and there's two ways to get it, either them coming after us or us coming after them. And now it's us coming after them. So I'd like to see that through and, and see what happens uh, at the end of that rainbow. Sam, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's an interesting approach. I know from day one, we've always kind of wanted that, legal precedence or golden ticket or somebody to, to give us something that is concrete evidence that we're doing this correctly or you know, hopefully not, but that we're doing it incorrectly and have to stop. And so I think now is kind of a good time for prime and post Oak and maybe Scott will even get involved a little bit too, to use the leverage they have in Houston to see if we can't like say, okay, let's finally fucking decide on this. Like let's really do it right and investigate it and, you know, let's bring it to a jury if we have to. So is that is that something that's already been put in the works, a civil suit against the Houston, or the Harris County DA's office? Is that something that's already been filed? Like I, this is the first I'm hearing of that. I didn't realize that was happening. No, it's just, it's just been discussed. It hasn't, nothing's been filed. And I think everybody right now is waiting for this FBI investigation to wrap up to see exactly where we all stand. And, and any idea like how long that's going to take? I mean, are they are they investigating y'all as well, or are they just investigating everything? Like, do we really do you really know what that entails? From what I've heard, they're not investigating us. They're not investigating the card rooms. They're, what they are investigating is the DA's office and the the people that were involved in this uh, quote unquote extortion deal, uh, the people who were promising the the permit. And so that's that's what they're taking a close look at right now. So Sam, I'm curious to your thoughts on like, like what is the perception of, 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 of rooms now in the state of Texas? You know, like you, you've had these raids, all the charges were dropped. I mean, when all is said and done, did, did this help legal rooms in Texas or did it hurt them? I think if you have to choose between the two, it helped more than it hurt. I mean, it probably hurt prime and post Oak individually. You know, they're out of business. People are unemployed and, and you know, the owners are, looking to restart or start somewhere else. And so it maybe while it hurt those two clubs individually, the whole idea of poker in Texas in a social club, I think that, that it helped, you know, ultimately 
everybody at first before the raids, before anything, when I was just one of the only, you know, one of two clubs in the state, everyone says, Oh, they'll be shut down soon. They'll be shut down. You know, three, four years later, we have the raids in Houston and everybody says, I told you so it just took longer than we thought, but now they're all dropped and people are saying, okay, you know, what else do us clubs have to have to do to show you guys that yes, we're doing, we're on the up and up. We're doing it right. Like, you know, these clubs have been raided, investigated, shut down and then everything was dropped and they're coming right back. And so I think that just goes to show that finally, you know, the movement has made it to the point that the general public is saying, okay, these clubs are here to stay. Sam, uh, excuse me, Bill, do you agree with that? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I do agree with that. I mean, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm ecstatic that they've dropped the cases. I'm ecstatic to see uh, that, that one of the two rooms is opening back up. Um, the future for post Oak is still semi unknown. Um, I, I agree that, that we, we have proven without the shadow of a doubt that what we're doing is on the up and up. We're not trying to hide anything. We're, we're trying to do everything by the letter of the law as the laws are written. And if, uh, if somebody can show me otherwise, I'm, I'm happy to listen, but so far nobody has been able to do that. And that's why these rooms continue to grow and expand all over the state. I got a question. I mean, do, do y'all think that had there not been this extortion um, thing that came up within the Harris County DA's office and they did come after the clubs, like, like would the charges still have gotten dropped? I mean, I mean, is it, is it the fact that they, they raided y'all and they realized there was nothing there and they dropped them or do they just drop them because, Oh, they shouldn't have gone after you in the first place. I'm just, I'm curious to know kind of like what your thoughts are on that. Like, like, it, 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 it's, it's interesting, like, why do they get dropped because there's nothing there or do they get dropped because the method in which they came after y'all was incorrect? Well, that's that's probably the million-dollar question, and that's crossed my mind at least every day since the bust and since the charge has been dropped. So let's hypothetically say that it, the extortionist, you know, didn't exist. We still aren't doing anything wrong. We still uh, – there, there's there's no – foundation for the charges. So in my heart of hearts, I believe they eventually would have been dropped. They could have dragged this out longer, but they wanted to do, and I will applaud the DA's office for doing the right thing. And that's, you know, dropping these charges as soon as they found out that there was conflict of interest within the inside and that there was somebody there making promises that they shouldn't have been making. So, you know, my, my, at first when I, when I was going through this, I thought, well, what if this is like you see in the movies, they're going to brush this whole thing under the rug and we're going to have to spend five years to life in jail for something we didn't do because somebody was promising this or somebody said that. And it it was scary at first. It was very, very scary, but I'm I'm happy to see the DA's office did do the right thing. And they uh, immediately, you know, dropped the case as soon as they heard that, uh, that there was some, you know, wrongdoing going on inside their office. And now they've turned that investigation over to the, the FBI, which, again, the right thing to do. And now we just have to kind of wait and see exactly, you know, what all transpired and, and what their investigation uncovers, because that's that's really going to be an interesting story in itself. Yeah. And, and so from your perspective and, and you know, it, it was you had one or two bad apples that caused all this. And the DA's office, once they realized it was going on, you feel pretty comfortable, you know, you feel that they actually did the right thing. Like, like, like as soon as they found out something was going on, they righted the ship, so to speak. And it was just a few bad apples that were essentially uh, causing all of these problems. Is that, is that kind of what you're saying? Exactly. Exactly. The DA's did the right, the DA did the right thing by dropping the charges and handing the investigation over to the FBI. And now, you know, waiting to see what, what that shows is going to be uh, 
is going to be what, what we do with our next step if we're going to file a civil case or, or what we're going to do. One way or another, we still want to find some sort of legal precedence or make some sort of legal precedence about this whole uh, model that we've created. I mean, do, do we though? I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure I agree that that's the best approach for this. I'll, I'll give you my reasons why, because ultimately if you're able to um, get a ruling like that, um, one, you don't know who's going to give that ruling. It's probably going to be a judge or a magistrate, you know, someone that, that is going to look at this and, you know, we kind of know firsthand, you know, talking with different political figures that, hey, you know, you, you, yes, I know every judge is pure at heart uh, and, 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 and has no politi- political affiliations, et cetera. But ultimately, you're living the fate of poker in Texas to one individual who may or may not be swayed by personal prejudices and things that he believes may or may not be true about or, or just about, about the way pokers run. And so my stance in order to really make poker succeed in Houston or in Texas um, is to go and try to make changes at the state level, not go to try to get a ruling from a judge or someone, you know, that could ultimately, I mean, here's my, here's my thought. If, if, if you don't know the answer you know, to the question you're about to ask in a scenario like this, you don't ask the question, you know? And so, yes, we believe and we have a lot of legal presence that shows that what we're doing is correct. But I think reasonable people can agree on both sides that, Hey, what you're doing Uh, A lot of people claim that what we're doing is illegal. We claim that it's legal. Um, And and you just sometimes you just never know which side of the of of the of the coin is going to land. Um, I talk to people all day or that say, hey, you know, what you're doing is illegal. I'm like, hey, no, it's not. Here's why. And they just they just see it a different way. Like we're saying the same things, but people just interpret it completely different ways. And so I'm curious to know, Sam, your thoughts on that approach, you know, going and actually trying to get a legal opinion versus trying to work through the legislature to essentially um, get laws passed or, or regulation passed, that essentially make sure that what we're doing is legal. We don't have to go through that, that um, I guess, declaratory judgment process. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's going to take statewide legislative effort to, to really handle it across you know, this, this entire state. What, what you're going to have if you get the declaratory judgment or you do something on a municipal level or county level, that judgment is going to be great. And yeah, it'll carry some weight across the state, but at the same time, it, it's still technically an only you know, ruling over Harris County, if, if, for example, that we're using right now in Houston. And so it's still not the be all end all that the legislative efforts that we're doing would be, I mean, if we were able to change something at the statewide level, like, you know, adjusting the penal code or creating, you know, license and regulation language and, and, and having, having the industry be regulated by the state, that is the guarantee. I mean, at that point, you know, you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, we are doing something that's legal. I think, you know, going back a little bit to the question that you asked on where the charges dropped because they didn't find anything or were the charges dropped because there was, you know, perhaps some, some bad acting going on behind the scenes. I, I don't necessarily even think there would have been any charges if there wasn't any bad acting going on. I think when, when the clubs finally caught on to some of, some of the bad acting that was going on and, and pulled out of their deals and stopped renewing some of those retainers, that's when the charges got you know dropped on or, that's when the charges got brought on to them. And so I have reason to think that there would never have been these charges. And so maybe I kind of changed my mind from what I said earlier. Maybe it's not necessary to use this as leverage to go and get that declaratory judgment or, or ruling from a magistrate because 
I don't, I don't necessarily think these clubs would have ever been charged if there wasn't some funny business going on behind the scenes. Well, I think in, in, you know, as part of the social car clubs of Texas, you know, we've spoken with a lot of club owners and we've worked with a lot of people there and we've, we've kind of talked about this, um, you know, going and getting, you know, some type of legal, uh, a judge or someone to rule on this, like, like that there's some type of lawsuit. Um, and I think we all agreed that that probably wasn't the best route to go, not because we thought they would rule against us, but because even if there's a 5% chance that, that, that they, they do or 10% chance, I mean, is that a risk you want to take when you don't have to? Like, like, why would we initiate that type of, of, of legal matter when, when we're able to operate now, um, given that there is some ambiguity in the law? Um, I think that, you, you know, from, from the social car clubs of Texas standpoint, the collective decision amongst a number of clubs that have been working together is that we need to work uh, at the state level to try to get uh, material change so that there is no question, there is no ambiguity there as opposed to trying to get a decision made based on the current law as it stands. I mean, that's, I think that's kind of like, like where, where we landed on that. And so not that one way is right or one way is wrong. I just felt like when we really stepped back and analyzed, okay, what do we want the landscape to look like in six months, in a year, in five years, in 20 years from now, what's going to achieve the goals of making poker a, a um, viable game that you can play in Texas without any worry about legal stuff. Right. And so um, that long-term plan uh, really focused more on making change at the state level as opposed to trying to get um, a ruling as of now. Because what that essentially does, if they rule against you, then all the rooms are gone until you do make the change at the state level. And so it, it, it really puts all the rooms that are operating now at risk without really needing to. And so I think that's kind of one of the things that, that uh, you know, we, we really thought about. But I'm not sure that a civil, a civil case would get you what you're would set any kind of precedent, right? A civil case, I don't know that it, that would that would work that way. Does it? I mean, if there's a civil case filed, there's not going to be any kind of ruling on whether or not we're legal or not. The ruling is going to be whether or not they wronged those guys. Is that, is that correct, Sam? Am I wrong on that? Or Bill? I, I wasn't implying that the civil case would get to that, uh, that decision. It's just two different things. The civil case is one direction and then, you know, going, going after, uh, going after the powers that be or going in court to try to say, you know, Hey, you know, we were wronged and this is why we were wronged. What we were doing was right the whole time. You know, somebody, uh, somebody confirmed that at the, at the state level. So we have that in writing. Is it possible to go? And I don't, wouldn't recommend it. I'm just curious, like to go back at the state or the city of Houston then for damages. I mean, prime was, you know, crushing it they were making money hand over fist and they missed out now on three four five months however long it takes to get back open and i know post oak you mentioned in a podcast behind that your you know, your bank accounts were low when you got seized but that was because you had moving expenses you guys are you guys are doing well in business you just moved to a new location so like is there a way to go back for damages does anybody talk about that or yeah, that's what we're exploring now. Those those options are being explored, but we're kind of waiting for this FBI investigation to wrap up uh, just so we have all the parts to the puzzle before we proceed. And one of the good things about the FBI investigation, um, or at least while it's going on, is you're now able to get back into poker. And that kind of brings me to the next thing I'd like to talk about is that despite what most people, uh, at least in the greater Houston area, think um, – Today, I definitely want to announce at least that Bill Hewer is now officially part of the Texas Cardhouse team. 
Uh, I think that most people have been under the impression that you've actually been a part of Texas Cardhouse for the long run, which you would have been had these raids not happened. Uh, but one of the things I definitely want to do is is officially kind of say welcome, uh, you know, to the Texas Cardhouse team. I know that you have been helping us quite a bit over the last several months, uh, but now you're officially on the team. You know, you're you're a part of the Texas Cardhouse, and so really excited to have you on board. Yeah, thank you. It's uh, I'm super excited to be working with you guys. So it's uh, it was. It was exciting when we first started uh, working together uh, late last year, uh, but now that it's official and now that these charges have been dropped, it's, it's even that much more exciting. There's so much on the horizon with Texas Card House, and I'm just proud to be a part of it. Yeah, I wanted to congratulate you too. I mean, from getting to start w- w- working with you and seeing what all you could do, it's been a blast. And then you know, we had all that crap happen in Houston and for a time I was like, okay, we lost you and we had to start, you know, go on our own without you. So real excited to have you back now and be able to join the team officially and see what all we can do in the Houston area and across the state. Yeah. I think, I think it was the right thing to do to step away. Um, uh, at least, you know, step away from Texas card house while the, the, uh, investigation or why the charges were pending. But, uh, now that those are gone, it's time to get back to business and then take this Texas card house brand all over the state of Texas. Yeah, it's funny you say, you always say step away because I think if you would have asked anyone in Houston that knows you, they would have said you were already a part of the Texas card house, which I mean, you were kind of part of the family, right? But just on paper and legally, you couldn't actually be a part of it while all that was going on. But now it's all, it's all official. Um, quick question. So do you know, like, what is, I know Prime is reopening, but what is the fate of Post Oak? Is that going to open in some other reincarnation or uh, are any of your partners going to do anything with that? Or do you know at this stage? Well, I, I don't really know what's going on. We, we've talked about different ideas. Um, we, Daniel Keyboard and I have gotten together and, you know, we definitely want to take care of all the players that had time on the books with us. So that's that's something that we're, we're still working on uh, wrapping up. But as far as, you know, Post Oak itself, if I had to bet, if I was a betting man, I would bet that you'll probably see Post Oak in one way or another. Uh, unfortunately, I, I probably won't be a part of it, but uh, the Post Oak brand is strong. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw it pop up one day. Yeah, it's one of the originals down there in Houston. I guess Mint Poker was technically the first to the Houston area, but you guys were the heart and soul when you opened up in Houston. You were the, the club at the time. And so... For it not to come back, you know, it's kind of what people around the state recognize that, you know, they know the name Texas Cardhouse, they know the name Post Oak, and obviously they know the name Prime because of how fast it had its up and coming. But yeah, you guys were, when I say you guys, and I guess it's not anymore, I should correct myself, I said Post Oak was one of the originals, and so that'd be great to have them still be in the scene. Yeah, but the post post oak was a lot of fun. I mean, I learned I learned so many lessons. It, you, I always I always joke and tell people you can either go to college to learn your lessons, or you can just go through it and learn your lessons. It's just when you go through it, it's usually more expensive. So yeah, um, I'm I'm happy to say that uh, I'm with the Texas Card House Group now, and and I wish everything for the best for all my partners that were with Post Oak. Yeah, very cool. And, and I think that uh, you know it's it's it'll be interesting to see how the Houston poker scene bounces back. You know, I mean, with, with, with the reopening of prime, obviously Texas card house opening here. Um, if post Oak decides to open in some form or fashion, I know there's other clubs that are out there as well, but we're interested to see, you know, over the next, I don't mean, I don't mean like in the next week or two, I mean, over the next year, like, like how much that scene grows uh, in Houston. Like, like, will people think back and this will just probably just end up being a blip on the radar, uh, you know, you know, a year from now, but interesting to see you know how the the poker 
community in Houston adapts and changes based on what happened over the last three or four months? Yeah, that's going to be interesting. You know, I, I firmly believe that there's a lot of people out there that still don't even know that there's legal poker in Texas. Oh, yeah. Uh, and in my market in Houston, I think there's just so many people that just don't know. And now that these clubs are kind of, you know, even more, they have a better platform now. After all that's gone on with the the, the case, after these grand openings, um, these we keep getting bigger guarantees. The word starts spreading and you get a lot of people that are like, wait a minute, I didn't know this was legal. And they start coming in and playing these places. So I think we're going to see a wave of people coming into play in all the clubs that are, that are open or opening. Also, don't forget every day there's somebody turning 21 or in Texas Cardhouse case turning 18 that's allowed to come in and play these places. So we, every day there's a new market of people that are going to come in and, and check us out and, uh, and start picking up the game of poker and they're either going to love it and they're going to continue to play it and they're going to get better at it. And then the next thing you know, they're going to be the next World Series uh, poker main event champion uh, or they'll just pick another hobby. So the, the market's there. There's people that are always going to want to learn how to play poker and just grow and grow and grow. Yeah. I'll oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead, Sam. Well, I, just on that note, I mean, I think it's cool. That's the coolest part about poker is that you've got new people learning the game every day. I mean, it's not something that you just pick up and think I want to go play poker, but it's something that anybody can do. You know, if you're not an athletic and you can't really play basketball and I mean, you can have fun and shoot hoops in your, in your lawn, but you can't go be competitive at it. And so this kind of gives you the opportunity to pick a game that's it's, it's more mental, but it's still, you know, it's on ESPN. So it's still a sport. It's still a competition. And so that's, that's the best part. You're going to have people, learning the game every day. So our, our customer base isn't fixed. It's, it grows just like Bill said, every day people are, are checking out the game and, and there's more and more places to do it. And the message for those people that are just now still finding out about us and don't know about us is, I mean, it's, we're still here. I mean, after four or five years, after all the things that have happened, it's like we're still here. People can still come out and learn the game. I think it's pretty cool you know, note that I wanted to speak on. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, well, you know, I think I think this has been um, it's been a pretty interesting saga. This whole little uh, Houston um, raid, you know, May Day issue, and so uh, hopefully with this episode we can kind of put a put a bow on that and, and set it aside. And obviously, if there's any other breaking developments that come from that, we'll be sure to bring it up. Um, one thing I do want to do uh, is kind of talk about uh, in the upcoming podcast. We are going to plan to do one on the social car clubs of Texas as we get ready to talk about the Scott. Uh, 200k guarantee coming up next month. Um, but uh, we also would like to essentially ask you, the listeners, I want to thank all of you for listening. And then we want also want to do a Q&A episode where essentially you send in uh, your questions and we get a chance to answer those. And so if, if, if anyone has a question they would like to present to Bill, Sam, or myself, uh, email us at, at FTF at TexasCardHouse.com. That's FTF for From the Felt. Uh, FTF at TexasCardHouse.com. And we'll We'll, we'll take in those questions and we'll do an episode where we essentially answer all of your questions. It can be about anything poker, uh, anything about poker in Texas, Texas card house, social card clubs of Texas. You ask it, we'll answer it. We'll, we're going to plan to do an episode on that in a week or two. Uh, so please send in your questions and we, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get those answered. That's a great idea. I can't wait to see these questions. I don't know. I'm a little nervous about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and anything goes. So uh, please get your questions in and we will be happy to answer those. Uh, we'd like to get that in by the next episode. Uh, just remember, email that to FTF at TexasCardHouse.com. Uh, once again, I want to thank all of our listeners and have a great day and we'll see you next week.